Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what's behind their failures. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another show. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Brandon Redlinger, Director of Demand Gen at Demandbase, about situations that marketers think they are doing ABM, but they really are not. There are a lot of misconceptions about ABM out there, and we're going to talk about some of the situations that it might look like ABM on the surface, but deep down, there are a lot of things that are going wrong. On that note, let's dive in. Brandon, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shaheen. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, it's it's great to have someone from the man base. I mean, you guys are definitely one of the main players in the ABM space. But for those who might not be familiar with yourself or the man base, can you give us a quick intro? Yeah, so Brandon Rutherger, I run Demand Gen at Demandbase, and I come to Demandbase from Engageo, and that acquisition happened about two months ago. So I was early team member on the Engageo team and really built marketing from the ground up there. And then, yeah, here we are four years later almost, and joining the Demandbase team. And it's been a, it's been a pretty smooth transition, and I mean, they have a great team over there. And I think the most exciting thing is just the potential with the two products together. We are starting to integrate the two products now. And I mean, I, I really don't think there is anything like it in the market. So I'm super excited about the platform itself. That's amazing. I mean, you know, the Engageo demand base M&A kind of, sh- it was a big news in the ABM space. Yeah, like totally. it was, And it was something that a lot of people didn't expect. Like I was talking to a few kind of ABM consultants and they're like, we did not see this coming. This yeah. was, yeah, this was definitely clearly it was in the making for a while, but yep. no, a lot of people didn't see it coming. So, and, and yeah, it, it was Engageo was, was amazing with, with your content and your presence in the market and demand base is one of the oldest players and, and also one of the dominant players in the ABM. So that combination is like a superpower. So I'm not sure. It definitely passed the legal requirements, but uh, yeah. but it was it was a big news. Okay. Now we're going to talk about what people do that are that is not necessarily ABM. But at the very beginning, can you give us a like your quick definition of ABM? Like really short, how do you go about and define ABM? Yeah, that's a great question. So account-based marketing to me, like it comes down to a few things. You know, it's a go-to-market strategy that really coordinates personalized sales and marketing efforts to land and expand target accounts. So one, it's a go-to-market strategy. It's not a specific tactic. It's not a campaign. It's not a one-off thing. It's personalized and it's relevant. It's between sales and marketing. And honestly, we're seeing a lot of people pull in customer success as well. You know, there's a lot to be said on the post-sale side of the business because, you know, it's, it's about landing and expanding those target accounts. If you're doing real true enterprise deals and you're relying really heavily on ABM, then you actually are selling into existing customers, your existing customer base a lot. You know, I've, I've seen stats out there. It's like 70% of your revenue can come from existing account if you're doing that real true ABM. Of course, it's a spectrum, right? A lot of software companies that we work with too, more on the size that Engageo was before it got acquired, you know, less than 100 people there's a kind of a balance between your traditional demand gen and your ABM. So it definitely takes takes both sides of it to work. 
No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, I think that strategy component is really important. You 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 touched on that quite a lot. And <laughs> I think we're going to we're going to talk about that here to some degree. Tell me about some of the situations you've come across, right? That marketer comes to you and they're like, "Yeah, we're doing this and we're doing ABM." And when you dig a little bit deeper, you're like, hey, "This is not ABM." Yeah, one of the ones that comes to mind right now for me is, is direct mail. Kind of direct mail is hot again. It's it's new. It's back. It's fun, and we see a lot of people that are just like, "Yeah, we're doing ABM. We're sending direct mail packages," and specifically, they're sending like these higher value direct mail pack. And some of them are even sending some custom packages, like which is great. But a lot of times, I, all I see is the the marketer themselves, they actually do it for the picture, they take a picture of it, and then they post it on social. And then they're bragging about how many likes they got on social. It's like, that's kind of missing the point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it has to be a true sales and marketing aligned play And then, yeah, if it's a direct mail package, that's great. Otherwise, if it's just a direct mail package to get a meeting, you hand that person off and then you're on to the next direct mail package. We actually see direct mail work great at every stage of the funnel. So it's not just let me send you this cool, new, interesting, fun, creative thing to get the meeting. It's all right, maybe this deal has gone dark. What can we do to um, wake that dead play or wake that dead deal? Or maybe it's this customer is coming up for a renewal. It's a big deal. It's one of our key logos. How can we, I call it the surprise and delight factor. How can we surprise and delight our customers at every touch point? Because it matters a lot. And it really builds your brand at the same time, right? It delivers a great experience. They associate this great experience with your brand. And then kind of the the cherry on top is maybe they actually take a picture of it and tweet it out or share it with their team or whatever that might be afterwards. But like, that's not the goal. I don't, I don't really care about the package itself and the, how well it does on social media, on LinkedIn, how many likes it gets. Like, give me the meeting, give me the revenue, give me that customer that comes back time and again. Yeah, and and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, even even in sending the sending the packages, there's a lot of thought that could go into it that integrate it fully with with the ABM strategy. What are your thoughts about some of the other things? So, for, for example, what do you think about IP targeted ads? Right, those were big. Those were quite popular. And uh, what are, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I think ads can play a pretty good role in ABM more for the air cover. So let me make sure I'm starting with the audience. So here's what happens all the time is marketers dream up a campaign and then in a silo on their own and then they start promoting it. And then sales gets a lead and they go, wait, what is this content? I have no idea what this is, what's going on. This lead is crap. And then they don't work it. And then, you know, sales marketing butt heads again. What I do and what those smart companies that are doing ABM well do is let's actually start with the audience. Let's make sure that I'm aligned with sales on these target accounts and making sure these are the right people to go after in the first place. And then let's match the offer to them. And then we can start to deliver ads in a very thoughtful way to the people we care about at those target accounts. So, and it's, again, it's more, more of an air cover thing. Like when was the last time you as a founder converted on an ad and took a meeting based off an ad itself? Probably not recently or hardly ever at all, right? So it's not something I'm going to really count on for those meetings. But like, I I do think there is something to be said for some of that top of funnel awareness and brand. I know brand is like one of the hardest things to measure, 
But if you've been doing marketing long enough, you will get, you know, there are some leading indicators that you will get a sense for, yeah, this is actually having a good impact on my brand. So it could be things like impression share uh, on your search, or it could be things like, you know, earned media. Uh, It could be things like how much a rep is coming into competitors on deal cycles, anything like that, or how warm those deals are in the first place, right? These, these are a little bit harder things to measure sometimes, but you know, ads can, can play a big role, but I do think it is one of those things too, where sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm doing ABM, I have ABM ads. Well, you know, let's start with a strategy. Let's make sure ABM is the right strategy in the first place. And then we can figure out our ads the right tactic to help me execute my ABM strategy. So it's always like, it's always a great layer to go on top of everything, but I don't think it's necessarily the place you should be starting all the time. Gotcha. And on that topic of, you know, hey, we're doing ABM, but this is not really ABM. You kind of touched on it briefly was the sales and marketing alignment, right? And getting that sorted. And I see, I don't know what your experience is. I see a lot of marketers that are, again, quote unquote, running ABM, but they're running it independently. Like there is, it's the marketing department's job and sales is not involved. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and no, I mean, we see this all the time too, right? Like we even have companies, we've even seen companies like sales is going after specific target accounts and they're doing ABM. Marketing's going after specific accounts and saying they're doing ABM, but they're not actually going after the same account. So they're both like, yeah, well, of course we're doing ABM. It's like, no, well, I mean, kind of, you're doing it pretty poorly if you ask me, but like, you know, if you want to do it right, yeah, let's, let's align around those right accounts in the first place. And then let's align together on those activities that are happening. So any content that I create, anything that my team does on the demand gen side of things, I want to make sure that's actually supporting sales because that's ultimately what marketing is here for, right? It's is to support sales. So I never have conversations with my sales team. That's like those marketers, all they do is write blog posts and posts on social media. Like that, my, my team knows that we do a lot more than that because they can actually see all that activity that we're doing to drive that awareness. And, you know, we, we get a lot of respect from the sales reps because they, they know the activities that we are doing. They have full visibility into the things that are happening. So it's not just, here's a lead, go figure out what to do with it. It's, here's someone who converted at our target account. They are a key persona. And here are the things that marketing did to lead up to that marketing qualified account. So, you know, we don't do marketing qualified leads. We do marketing qualified accounts. And I, you know, I I have seen people who do like, I I like Topo's double funnel model pretty well. So you're working with marketing, like you're working with leads at the same time, you're working with accounts. And then once it gets to that qualified stage, that's when the, the funnels come together. So I do like that. I've seen companies execute that pretty well. But at the end of the day, that just means the both the sales and marketing teams do have to be aligned at the end of the day. And I think one of the biggest things people get hung up on is like why sales marketing are not on the same page. It's like around measurement and compensation, right? So marketing is still going to be measured on downloads or retweets or whatever that might be. And then sales, of course, is measured on close one revenue. So once we start to move marketing and hold them accountable to more down funnel metrics, sales goes, oh, they're, they actually do care about the quality of lead. And they do actually care if they start closing. Okay, now, now we're on the same page. And then maybe even marketing starts getting comped on those down funnel metrics, 
Like what's what what motivates people more than anything right now? It's money. So if you move the goalposts on what they're being compensated on, it's going to change their behavior. So if I want them aligned with sales, maybe I align their their comp a little bit more closely. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it? It's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack. So ABM, in my experience, tell me if I'm wrong or you've seen something different. ABM usually is generated from the marketing department side. It originally came about as account-based marketing, and now it's account-based everything, account-based experience, and all these other, you know, other, other buzzwords, but it originally came out of marketing. What are the organizations that you see sell ABM successfully to their sales team? So that the sales team is not like, oh, great, marketing is going to do another webinar. That's fantastic. Or the sales team being like, this is, is this the new gimmick? Is this the new color of the month that, that marketing is doing? What do you see in successful organizations where marketing is able to sell ABM to the sales team? What do they do? Two things. And I think we actually kind of touched on them a little bit of both, but it's like giving them all the insights into what's happening at their target accounts. So it's delivering those insights in a relevant, timely manner. So it, like marketing, uh, we have a big budget. We have a big tech stack. We have a lot of things at our disposal that give us a pretty fair advantage that honestly sales could use as well. So we're, we have our scoring techniques and software that helps us score you know, leads and accounts. Let's make sure that all of that data gets pushed over to sales so that they know exactly what's happening at that account and do it in real time too. So we can set up, we can set up a few different things. We can set up alerts on, Hey, you know, a key persona from one of your target accounts did this thing alert a sales rep right away, or it could be they reach, you know, your MQA threshold. Ideally, of course, I think that's pretty standard. You want to alert your sales reps right away too, but it could also be things just like, let me send you a report every single week of the activity that's happening at your target accounts. Maybe they didn't necessarily reach MQA yet, but you can start to see a trend over time. So that's, that's one of the things that I want to make sure my sales reps see. Maybe one of our target accounts is, you know, no engagement, no engagement, no engagement. And then the last two weeks, it's a big spike. They still haven't reached the MQA threshold yet, but that's a good sign that that big spike, something's happening over there. So if I can deliver that insight to my sales rep and then they can start to get ahead of that. And then that's one of the big ones is just delivering insights to sales, insights on what's happening at target accounts. And honestly, not even just target accounts either. Intent data plays a big role in sales these days. So what are those target accounts or what are those people that are or accounts that are not on my target list that are actually showing interest 
and have a high propensity to buy. So like I, I can't have every single account on our target account list. That is, you know, by definition, I do want that to be focused, but there are those companies that are in market that are not on your target account list that I want to make sure I don't miss. That's a low hanging fruit that my team can go after. So if I use this intent data, I can look at trending topics and companies that are trending on the topics that I care a lot about. Let me send those over to my sales reps too. And just make sure that we're making the most of those opportunities. So sales loves that stuff, right? It's like, and, and then giving them, again, that visibility into those key topics that are trending. Otherwise, if I just send it over to sales and I say, hey, this person is, or this account is trending, they don't know what to do with that yet. And then if I layer on some, like maybe first party engagement data, this account is trending and on our site, they've actually interacted with this content or this blog or maybe this email. It gives them a little bit more insight into how to actually make intent data actionable. I think that's one of the challenges that people have out there is like just making intent actionable. They don't know what to do with it. So let's give them as much information, as much context as possible with that account. And then they can actually start to you know make the most of it. Yeah. And that's really gets them excited and makes them feel like they're part of the process. And it's very obviously important. The other thing that you mentioned was compensation. Now that's not a marketing conversation. That's, you know, that goes above. That's probably the CMO level conversation. Maybe even, you know, if probably, probably at a CMO level, tell me about that, like aligning. And, and that's more, that sounds like more selling ABM to, to marketing. Than to, than to sales, but I also imagine that it would have a very positive impact on sales because then they're like, oh, you are getting paid for something that is going to make me commission. That's good. It yes, sounds exactly. like we're, we're in the same boat. At best right now, what happens is sales reps, they, they need marketing to come in, help them close a deal. They close that deal. They get a big payday and then like they go out and buy the marketer dinner or something or maybe a nice bottle of wine. It's like, yeah, thanks for the wine. Enjoy your, you know, six figure, five figure, you know, payday right there. You're welcome. Like, thanks for the wine. <laughs> right. But like, uh, you know, so, some marketers will still do it. But like if you, if you want every single marketer to really care about those, help you close those deals. Yeah, like I, I want to be compensated on those same things that sales reps are. Like I, I don't expect to be paid the same as a sales rep, but I do want a little bit more than just, you know, that $100 bottle of wine or whatever it might be. So what about, what about a $200 bottle of wine? Uh, that's, that's getting there. That's getting there. <laughs> yeah. And that's very, it's very interesting concept. I know it's a uh, it's a challenging topic because it just requires a lot of shifting in the organization, both thinking and structural shifts. Like you know, we got to change compensation. That's a that's not the easiest conversation to have with in any organization, right? Like they would put those plan together at the beginning of the year. This is the this is how you're compensated, and mid year change that, or even towards the end of the year completely change and be like, hey, you were being compensated on MQLs before. Now you're going to be compensated on this completely different thing and the marketer will freak out. And, and I would imagine you would have half of them embracing it and half of them leaving. Yeah. And a few things that we've seen work decently well at some of our customer accounts and other people I've talked to too, is creating, like they, they have their ABM team. You know, at Engageo, we had an ABM marketer, an SDR, and a sales rep. And then them compensated 
together. You know, it's not direct one-to-one. Your sales rep's still going to make more money, but like as a team, those deals that you close, you're going to be compensated on together. So each team and how the team actually performs will dictate the marketers and the SDRs and the AEs compensation. So they are definitely aligned because they as a team want to close as much as they can because they'll be paid more. And then I have seen on the other end, just like your ABM marketer is just is just the one that's getting paid on those deals close or those deals that they are in. And the rest of the marketing team, they're on their traditional metrics, or maybe at best they're they're comped on, you know, like pipeline generated. And I think that's I, I think that's a good start. Like let's let's move your marketing team to being comped on pipeline instead of just your downloads or your MQLs or meetings or whatever it is. Like do those meetings actually turn into pipeline, which is what sales care is about. Now, one of the other things that you are a big fan of, and, and you have a very interesting position and, and very unique perspective on where ABM works well and where ABM doesn't work well, in, in which organization. What do, or, what do those organizations where ABM works well do that makes ABM work well? And one of the things that we've previously spoke about was having someone dedicated to, to MarTech, having uh, RevOps or, or something like that. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, someone who really owns the technology and owns the integration and owns the operation side of things really changes the game. We know that our top customers, the ones who are doing ABM well, who are just killing it with ABM, yeah, they have that one person who owns it. So it's not just, hey, the marketing person, you know, the marketing ops person now owns the technology. Like that person really has to understand how all the technologies talk to each other. It has to understand how that information gets to the reps. And they have to have just an overall understanding of the ABM strategy as well. So like we're seeing RevOps even becoming a big thing these days. More people with RevOps titles, which is great. And even people who have direct reporting lines up to a CMO in with RevOps titles, which I absolutely love. Like those people get it because if the information is, you know, maybe one system says one thing, one system says something else, you know, marketing is in their Marketo, sales is in Salesforce, different information. They're fighting over what information is correct. I don't want to have to fight over that, right? Like no wonder sales and marketing don't always get along 100% every day. In fact, yeah, they're cats and dogs sometimes, right? It's because of things like that. So your operations person really has to understand, all right, which data is correct? How do I keep my data clean? And how do I really standardize everything across the board? So, you know, that that person is going to require a deep understanding of technology and your systems and how the underlying systems work with each other. So it's not just, hey, I can go into Salesforce and build a report. It's I, how does Salesforce think about how to build reports? It's like, how does Salesforce understand campaigns? And how does that work with my marketing and automation system? And then once I fully understand my systems, I can make sure that all the dots are being connected. And then I can make sure the data is being routed to the right people at the right time. Yeah, so it's not just one person who I'm super good at, at Marketo, it's really having that holistic view of all the MarTech uh, or, or not necessarily yeah. MarTech, all, all the tech. All the tech, yeah. That we're using and, uh, and how they talk to each other. That's, and, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And they're like, 
yeah, we definitely have, you know, people who are dedicated to our technology, but then you're like, are they dedicated to all the technology? Yeah, exactly. Or is it marketing technology? I think those people are far and few between that understand your marketing automation and your CRM really well. So if you have one of those people, make sure they're happy. Make sure Increase you got to do what you can. Now. Exactly, exactly. And Send them some wine. Give them some of that sales commission. Get some of the sales commission. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Brandon, this has been amazing. I really enjoyed it. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you reckon I haven't brought up that you think it would be good to talk about with regards to everything that we've been talking about? Yeah, well, uh, on the technology piece, like one, one thing I will say is like, start with the strategy first. Don't go out and buy ABM technology because you have to do ABM. Make sure it's the right thing for your organization. And then once you figure out, yeah, ABM is the right strategy, make sure you figure out how you are actually going to deploy it. There's a lot of different flavors of ABM. Make sure you figure out the one that's right for you and then go out and buy technology. Just because you have ABM technology doesn't mean you're doing good ABM. You could still be doing pretty crappy marketing, but doing it you know, faster and more expensively, right? Yep, so it's, more money. Yeah. it's, yeah, exactly. I think that's what technology does a good job at is just kind of amplifying stuff. So if you're doing crappy ABM and you know, you buy technology to do it, you're going to amplify the crap, but let's just make sure we're doing it right in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, and you're right. I was talking to someone and they worked at one of the big direct mail platforms and they were telling me about how some of these some of their clients come and say one of their clients went and went and ordered got these $800 custom made and custom branded popcorn machines that they sent as a direct mail piece and I'm like that's cool was it aligned with their strategy like what was what was their strategy because that would be interesting right yeah because if it's not aligned with the strategy just like you said it's a really expensive direct mail piece that it yeah. could potentially not work but uh, you know I'm sure everybody loves a good popcorn machine but, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and look, this this is also uh, this is coming from a guy who sells ABM technology. I'm telling you, don't start with the technology. <laughs> oh, this is great. Don't tell my boss. Hopefully, my boss doesn't see this. Right? No, we'll, uh, it's it's no. going to be in Australia, so uh, so we'll keep it quiet. There. <laughs> nice. We'll just spread spread the word there, and we we'll try to hold it back from getting to North America. <laughs> but no, Brandon, I really appreciate it. And uh, look, if anyone has more questions or they want to know more about demand base, what's the best way for them to do so? We put out a lot of content. If you just go to demandbase.com, I have started to write on the demandbase blog now. A lot of the Engageo stuff. We were known for our content. You can still access that probably through the end of the year until everything moves over to demandbase.com. But check out that content there. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, I'm relatively active on LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot me a note, say you heard me on the podcast, and then I will accept the invite. I, I usually don't accept invites if they're just plain connection requests. No, I hear you. I did the same here. Or if they're obviously pitching you right there in the invite, right? Yeah, exactly. I love exactly. those. But hold on. You are also doing a podcast yourself, which is completely ABM focused. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yes, absolutely. So it's called the ABM Podcast. All right. <laughs> and we are diving deep into ABM. It's with the ABM Leadership Alliance, which Demandbase actually leads the ABM Leadership Alliance. And we got a lot of smart technology people in that alliance. 
And we are interviewing people from those companies and their customers every other week. So we're sitting down with practitioners who are deep in ABM and figuring out, all right, what, what are they doing? What are the people who are doing ABM really well doing? And we're picking their brains, we're going deep, we're getting tactical with it. So it's not high level, hey, what is ABM? It's all right, here's a specific channel, what are those tactics every day that you're doing? So it's going to be very practical advice. That's awesome. So definitely make sure to uh, check that out. And on that note, Brendan, thank you so much. Thanks, Shaheen. Really appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, same over here. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.